0: these words from the beginning of Mark's gospel, what were you discussing on the way? And then uh, Mark tells us, for on the way, uh, they were talking about who was the greatest. It's a long, complex reading, but Mark is setting something up for us with the use of this phrase twice in a row, on the way. If we were to go back nine chapters to the first verse of Mark's gospel, the beginning of Mark's gospel... A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. The way is a key theme for Mark, and it's repeated in chapters 8 through 10, and we'll come to that in a minute after we go back, because Mark is grabbing that phrase, on the way, from Exodus, and from Isaiah, who picks that up with the messenger in Malachi, speaking of one who comes on the way. For for Israel, the God who comes on the way is the one who leads people out of bondage into salvation, into promise. And so on the way is Mark's key word for the salvation God, the God Yahweh of Israel is now on the way doing a new work, a new exodus is what Luke actually calls it in his gospel of saving the people of God. But what Mark is doing to set it up is to put the people of God on the way. In our reading from Numbers today, Numbers chapter 11, if you were to take Numbers and Deuteronomy, those, the end of the, of the writings of Moses, Numbers um, kind of details and collects the first two or three years of coming out of Egypt. And then Deuteronomy, on the other end of those 40 years, captures for us the last two or three. And they only hint at what happened in the intervening 40 years and numbers chapter 11 where we start today is day one of the journey it's the first step that israel took on the way the promised land awaits them but god has set this up so that they will be on the way for 40 years and then so 40 years becomes that language that symbolic language of a people who are on a journey to receive the blessings of a promise. There are people on the way, and the way is the, it's the crucible, it's the, it's the means by which God forms a community. The testing and the suffering and the waiting and the manna when you want quail is God's way of forming a people into his image who will bear his name. And this group comes out immediately in year one and they already want to go back to Egypt. Um, Billy and Cole and I uh, listened this week to the director of CAPS at Cornell, the Counseling and Psychological Services Center. So this is all kind of care for psychological and personal social life. The chaplains meet every year or so to talk about care for students. And one of the questions that always come up is, what are we seeing? What are we dealing with when students come in? And what do people come in? It's grad students, it's staff. There's common things that we bear together in our human condition. And his first remark was, you know, loneliness, isolation, but the biggest may be suffering. They're unprepared for, they're unaccustomed to suffering. You can tie a tremendous amount of that to our technological culture. How we're so accustomed to uh, instant gratification if I want to know something I don't have to go to the library and look it up in the encyclopedia not long ago we used to have to do that people in this room now I can know in a moment I don't have to wait and count the days until a letter comes in the mail I can be in touch with somebody now not in church but theoretically I can connect If i need to know something if i want to hear something if i want to get music i don't even have to get up i'm instantly gratified i don't have to be alone with myself or with my thoughts and so students and all of us as we move to new areas of maturity we find larger parts of life are out of our control and there's nothing you can do to close down some area of lack of control some gap and you suffer you wait for an answer you wait for healing You wait for a friend to come. You wait for a letter. You wait for something good news to fill in the space where you're alone. And we struggle more and more as a culture. This does seem to be to struggle, to suffer, to be on the way for more than a moment. To be shaped. And it is God's plan, contrary to our instinct, to shape us with suffering. To put us on the way. Because it's through the suffering, it's through the waiting that we are purified and presented to him complete. There is a journey just like we watch with children. They must learn to endure, to be strong, to have habits. And God is doing that on the way in suffering. It's interesting when you look at the Old Testament. I was looking at the the speech of James in Acts chapter 7. James, I'm sorry, Stephen. Stephen is being stoned. And I was looking for this phrase because he says this about that generation in Numbers. You rejected the authority of Moses, you and your fathers. Now they're getting ready to kill Stephen, so he's letting him have it. And then he says, and you built yourself a temple with Solomon. Now we often celebrate that and he said, God did not need a temple to dwell in some work of human hands for he dwelled with you in his presence. That mark of wanting to be settled, the temple, right, is to be in a land, not on the way. The tabernacle was this tent. It was the structure of skins that got taken up and moved whenever Israel moved. It was the vehicle of being on a journey. And Israel wanted a temple. When the book of Hebrews picks up that imagery again of the church, it tells us that we are traveling as the synagogue, as the tabernacle, not the temple. Because the writer of Hebrews knows we are on the way. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, right? Hebrews 11. We are on the way. We are waiting. We are in a place to believe in a promise we cannot yet see. And in believing in that promise, we are strengthened in hope. We grow through suffering. And we are on the way. In this passage in Numbers, two groups emerge from this um, confrontation with Moses. The first are these 70 prophets. God anoints the elders, and this is significant. We come back to the end of, of Mark's gospel. The spirit that was on Moses anoints the people to prophesy. Now, I don't know what that means. It probably means these people went around the camp and said, get it together and believe in the Lord and follow Moses. The Lord just made 10 plagues that our eyes saw He's working and we're on the way. Believe. It's probably what the prophets are doing. They're speaking a word of truth. This other group is the group of cravers. There was a rabble among them that craved meat. Our our politically um, corrected version of the readings, they often do this. They cut off right at the point where it says, and that group who craved, God gave them quail. Not one day, not two days, but three days until it was coming out of their nostrils. And when it was yet between their teeth, this is good writing, I think. When it was yet between their teeth, a plague struck them and they were dead. And they named that place Kibroth Hatavah, the place, the graves of craving. Those who could not suffer on the way. And God does not want them in his community. They're divisive. Chapter 12, Miriam and Aaron are gonna oppose Moses. Chapter 16, it's Korah. One after another of the groups of people on the way want to disassemble, want to bring disunity to this body who God is trying to form together. Because to journey on the way, you must be a body. United, there must be human contact, mutual suffering. That's James. Pray to one another. Confess your sins to one another. Call for the elders of the church. God on the way is building a body to care for one another. Jump back to our Gospel of Mark today, Mark 8 to 10. Uh, Mark is known, I'm I'm not the one who spotted this, scholars picked this up in the last century. Mark uses this phrase on the way, more than any of the other Gospel writers, and he uses it only between chapters 8 and 10. And between chapters 8 and 10, if you've been coming and listening to the sermons, are the three times that Mark tells the disciples that he's going to die on a cross, and be taken up again, and that they must also take up their cross. Three times he talks about the cross, six times he talks about the way, and he tells the disciples, you also must take up your cross and follow me. You also must be on the way. Each of these occasions that Jesus talks about the cross, there's some resistance to the cross. Peter doesn't want Jesus to go to the cross. He doesn't want Jesus on the way. James and John in the last segment... We're arguing if they could be at the right hand of God. Now the disciples are arguing amongst themselves who is the greatest. And Jesus is trying to form a disciple group of twelve on the way. And he pulls a child in among them. And he tries to show them that the community that holds together, that loves the little ones, whose faith is little, not those whose faith is great, builds the community. Love those who are in needy. Pull together the community and be formed for the journey on the way. That he might shape you, that you might be come out on the end of this process as one who's brought the body together into one. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, if you know that book, it's a completely disassembled group. There's ethnic problems. There are problems of wealth. It is a bit of a, of a snapshot of America in a way, of a, a microcosm of it. Um, There are um, all sorts of divided groups, and so when they get together, they're just getting into little class groups. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, no, 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 when you come to the Lord's table, wait for one another, because the wealthy were coming and eating and leaving so they didn't have to eat with the poor. And the Jews are arguing with the Gentiles, and the Gentiles are arguing with the Jews. And Paul is trying to pull this community together. There is one body, one loaf, he says. And then in chapter 12, he says this, each of you, each of you, each of us has been given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good, for the building up of one another. I'll play that out. Paul is saying that this journey that the church is on the way, God has given every person in here a manifestation of the Spirit so that we might be strengthened in one another. As a body, we're adequate to journey on the way. So then the question is, what is your manifestation of the Spirit? What is your gift? What is it that when you look back over the last month, you think, here's where I gave of the gift of my Spirit to this body, sacrificially, consistently, so that they might be strengthened? The consumer kind of culture of America says, how was church, by which they mean, what did you get out of it? And so I take the language of Paul and say, by the manifestation of the Spirit, what did you put in? how did you help the body on the way? And I guarantee you it's a more satisfying church than one where you wait for a great sermon and good music and a beautiful array behind us, you know, some beautiful structure. We serve because we're in a tabernacle, because we're on the way. I call out men. I could do this in any church in the modern world. Men, where do you serve in the church body? Where do you sacrifice? for the building up of the body, for the manifestation of the common good. It is a prayer we ought to take home with us and say, what is my gift? I can tell you when Amy and I, now you're a pastor, it's very easy to say, you're always asking people to serve, that's part of the job. You, you take that as the job description, tell people to serve. But I can tell you that when we were married in the, in the 25 years that we've been married in, and involved in churches, we served, but we grumbled. How come I have to teach Sunday school again? How have to, maybe I grumbled more. You know, But it's that resentment that what, what is this requiring of me? And it's only when you really become a pastor that you realize the thing doesn't work on the way if the people don't give it themselves with the gifting they've been given. And I think that's what you don't see with the pastor is that God gave you a gift and he employed me. It's a scary thing. People give me money to help you use your gift for the building up of the body, Ephesians 4.12 because you're only who God made you to be when that gift is becoming active and used, to be built up and journey on the way. We should seek that out, to be faithful to God's calling, to know that the body of Christ as it's been made was knit together with your unique strengths to hold it up and walk together, to be with like Jesus on the cross, on the way, with disciples who come together. May we pray that God would pull us into one body, that he would anoint us with his spirit, that he would give us the hope and the courage together to be a body united to journey on the way. Amen.